0: Morning, everybody. It's good to be back with you. I don't know if you remember, it's been a while. It's been, it was during COVID, I remember that, uh, that I was here last, but it's good to be back with you. Um, it's good to be worshiping with you. It's good to be talking about, thinking about, pondering the love of God and our response to it and what that means for our lives. Uh, and particularly today, I want to talk about, think about, ponder, marinade on this idea of gospel, of what is the gospel? What does that word mean and the so what of it? So um, maybe rhetorically even you're thinking now gospel, I know this word, I've heard it before, what does this mean? Uh, It means good news, interestingly enough. Gospel means good news. So the million-dollar question today is what is the Christian gospel? What is the good news? And what, if anything, does it have to do with real life? What does the gospel have to do or say, for example, to uh, eastern Ukraine right now? you think about that? What is the good news? What is the gospel? What is the good news of Jesus, to be more specific, right? This is a church that names and follows Jesus, so there's his version of good news. And what does that have to do with the rest of the world, particularly things that we know and think about and are aware of right now? Uh, What does the gospel have to say to people in the crossfire in Ukraine right now? What does the gospel have to say to an organization, big or small, that is just run by toxic leadership? and you go into a staff meeting and you can cut it with a knife, right? The tension, the wounds from years and years and years. Maybe, sadly, this is describing some of your workplaces. Or uh, family gatherings, you know, Thanksgiving when it's tense and someone has hurt someone's feelings. What does the gospel have to say to that? What's the gospel have to say uh, to Haiti right now? What's the gospel have to say to the United States Congress right now? What is the good news there? Uh, Typically, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and and assume a little bit um, at the risk of what that might do. But uh, assuming that at least most of us, if not all of us, are thinking gospel has something to do with our sins being forgiven. right? As we've talked and sung and all of that today. Uh, absolutely unquestionably, that is part of it. So either, what does that mean? What does your sins are forgiven mean? And what's that look like in real life? Or is there more to it than that? So for an example, uh, I I think often in images. So I'm, I'm considering the battlefield of Ukraine, Russia on one side and Ukraine on the other, and people in the middle, innocent people in the middle. So is the idea that we sort of like run into the middle of that, dodging bullets and ricochets and mortars, and we say, don't worry, everybody, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Peace, peace, ceasefire. Uh, Your sins are forgiven. And you can almost see, in my probably sick, broken mind, (laughs) the soldier's like, okay, yeah, it's nice, thank you. And here we go. Now, where were we? Or... In that scenario, get into the middle. Don't worry, your sins are forgiven. I'm struck. I was struck sitting there as we sang that song about what we need, that God knows what we need. And I was struck by this image of a family saying, That's nice, thank you, but you know what we need? And I don't have to say it out loud, do I? You know what they would prefer. Peace. That'd be good news, wouldn't it? Could you make this stop? I really appreciate the sentiment, but you know what we need is peace. Hmm. I was struck, too, that image of Jesus saying, uh, how, what any, any good parent giving their child when they ask for something to eat, a stone. Right? You know, Mom, I'm so hungry. Could I have some bread? Yeah, here you go. Here's a scorpion. (laughs) It's so sad, it's funny, right? That image uh, strikes me sort of similarly. Don't worry, don't worry. And I think all that we're doing, friends, is we're just shrinking down a really robust and good thing, a wonderful thing. Because really kind of what we're talking about here is, is the gospel that we're believing, Is sorry, is Jesus' gospel is it really good news? Is it really good news to you today, to me? It, it, or another way to ask it, is my hope appropriate? Is my hope appropriately large? Right? If, In other words, if God, our creator and savior, has this much good news in mind, and I'm sort of just thinking about this much in mind, there's room to grow there into this goodness, right? Into this good news coming into Haiti with, rather than saying, don't worry, your sins are forgiven. Here's sort of an economic plan for flourishing here in the name of the Lord. And here's what justice looks like, right? In that scenario, maybe you'd hear people saying, well, thank you. Thank you for that sentiment. You know what we'd really like is some justice. We'd like things to be the way they're supposed to be to generations upon generations of enslaved people. What do we mean when we say, don't worry, both sides, your sins are forgiven? Well, that's nice, but you know what I really like is some justice and freedom. And, of course, good news. uh, The good news, I think, I'm willing to bank the ranch on, bet the ranch on, is that big. We just forget. We just forget. I just forget all the time. So luckily, we come to church every so often, every so seven days or so to remind ourselves just to remind ourselves oh right right I'm sorry Jesus I I shrunk it down a little bit I put the gospel in the dryer (laughs) it shrunk my clothes shrunk so let's go um let's go right to the hero's mouth let's hear it right from the hero this is the first time that Jesus sort of says hey this is what I'm here to do If you want to look at this now or later, it's so beautiful and interesting. It's in Luke chapter 4, if you're wanting to read later, or write it down and study it later. So this is the first time, I mean, so this million-dollar question, what is the gospel? Wouldn't it be nice if we heard it from the hero's mouth, from the horse's mouth? Great news, we do have that. And it's in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus, our hero, stands up and says, Hey, if you're curious, this is what I'm here to do. I'll just read it to you. He came to the village of Nazareth where he grew up. It's his boyhood home. He went, as usual, to the synagogue on Saturday and stood up to read the scriptures, just like he'd always done. It's where he grew up. The book of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he opened it to the place where it says, "'The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. "'He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor.'" He has sent me to announce that captives shall be released and that blind people will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he closed the book and he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down while everyone in the synagogue gazed at him intently. And then he said, These scriptures came true today. And all who were there spoke well of him and were amazed by the beautiful words that fell from his lips. And then someone said, Isn't this Joseph's boy? (laughs) Isn't, Isn't that Joseph and Mary's kid? Like they knew him, he grew up there, right? Interesting here, right, that the phrase, the forgiveness of sins isn't used. Isn't that interesting? The time when he stands up to say, I'm gonna do this and this and this and this, but I'm, that phrase is missing. Good news to the poor, announced the captives released, and then there's this weird thing, the year of the Lord's favor. So if you're sitting there that day and you hear Jesus say, hey, you know what I'm here to do? I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You're like, that's that's helpful a little bit. <laughs> what is that? What do you mean? But everybody sitting there that day, we wouldn't know what he meant, but everybody sitting there that day knew that he was talking about this thing way, way back in Leviticus called the year of Jubilee. And Doesn't that sound fascinating? The year of Jubilee. I am here, in other words, he says. Hey, everybody, listen up, listen up. Yeah, I'm Joseph's kid, Mary's kid. I live down there. You know that year of Jubilee thing? It's on. And what's the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee was every 50 years, God the Creator, their Yahweh, commanded everything to go back the way it was supposed to be. All debts are canceled. All property goes back to the original owner. All people come home from afar. Exiles return home. In other words, the year of Jubilee is the way it's supposed to be. And they knew what that meant. And this guy gets up there that day in church and says, hey, you know that story we've been told all those years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, over and over and over again? Today it's true. And he sits down. And so naturally, of course, it causes a hubbub. It causes problems and interest and intrigue and people start following him around it says they spoke well of him and were amazed by him but then it says in other parts of the gospel and we'll read one the passage for today in mark of who is this guy and how dare he say something like that and can he back it up this year of jubilee stuff So the passage for today, for our our worship service officially, was from the Gospel of Mark. And I cannot recommend enough to you this practice over the next couple days, for the rest of your life even, perhaps, to read the Gospel of Mark and every so often maybe have like a sticky note on the opposite side where you're reading with just this question. What is the Gospel and what is it for? What is the good news? What is actually becoming better? What's getting gooder here in, in this passage and in this story? And take that note with you every, every page you turn. Does that make sense? And keep running notes of it. It has transformed my joy in the gospel and my hope for what is coming. What is the good news and what is, what is being redeemed? What is Jesus doing here? Uh, this is just one of many examples in Mark. This is Mark chapter 1 40 to 45. So remember, Jesus makes this audacious speech and then starts walking around doing things like this. So he traveled through the province of Galilee preaching in synagogues and releasing many from the power of demons. Hmm, hint, hint. Once a leper came and knelt in front of him and begged to be healed. If you want to... You can make me well again, he said. And Jesus, moved with pity, touched him and said, Good news, I want to be healed. Immediately, the leprosy was gone and the man was healed. Jesus then tells him sternly, Go and be examined immediately by the Jewish priest. Don't stop to speak to anyone along the way. Take along the offering prescribed in the law of Moses for a leper who is healed so that everyone will have proof that you're well again. But as the man went on his way, he began to shout the good news that he was healed. As a result... (laughs) Such throngs soon surrounded Jesus that he couldn't publicly enter a city anywhere. And he had to stay out in the barren wastelands, but people came to him there too. Jesus says, this is what I'm here to do. This is my understanding of the good news. I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee, a.k.a. I'm here to make everything the way it's supposed to be. And then this story happens and it seems like, oh wow, what a powerful sign, what a miracle, what a this kind of good news, this level of good news, this guy's leprosy was healed, and that's wonderful. But if you start to dig, and you start to have this vision of jubilee, and the creation, and the fall, and God making all things right again, the gospel depth, and the amount of transformation, and things change, starts to expand, and uh, become more robust, exponentially even. This is what I mean. What do we know about leprosy in those days? And know it's weird to like answer this way, so we can just think about it in your mind and your heart. If you have leprosy in this era of time, do you know and do we remember what your life was like? Well, part of what it's like is you are removed from society. You get this disease, it's sort of like a pandemic, but worse. You're contagious, you're unclean, so you have to go away. If he is a father, he has to leave his home and go live in a cave. Maybe with other people like him, maybe. No contact with human beings. You can't be touched You lose your job you lose your family you have to stop coming to church and every conceivable domino starts to fall in your life which is precisely why jesus says to him hey before you like just you know settle down as he's starting to like oh my gosh settle down, go do all the, check off all the lists, right? Show yourself to the priest, make sure you go to the doctor so that you can, and the guy pays him no mind whatsoever and just starts like running home screaming as you do. Precisely as you do when all of the ways that you were in need start to be addressed. Is it appropriate to say Jesus saves this guy in every way he needed to be saved. In other words, think about it negatively for a second. He has leprosy, and not to be graphic, but in, in leprous conditions in the body, your extremities are eaten away. So depending on how long this man had this disease, almost assuredly, many of his fingers, if not his entire hand, was gone and he has to tell people about that everywhere he goes unclean get out of the way here I come and then he gets too sick and he has to go in the cave and he's completely alone so let's just unpack this a little bit what is the good news to this guy Jesus heals him physically yes no question so I mean I don't know if it looked like this or not The other thing too i don't know if you saw this if you're following along it says when the guy asks him jesus i've heard about you and if you want to i think you can make me whole again and some translations say jesus was moved not with pity anyone have another word compassion one or two translations say anger indignant jesus is furious And that's deeply disturbing if our gospel maybe is this small. But if it's as appropriately big as it should be, what is Jesus mad about? Is Jesus mad at the guy? No. Jesus is mad at the fall. Jesus is indignant that his creation looks like this now. Enough of this. Enough of this. Enough of this. Actually, This is not the first preaching of the gospel in the Bible. It's the first time Jesus says it. Do you know when the first preaching of the gospel is? And it's a super cool phrase that you can use at coffee shops and dinner parties, and people will be like, oh. (laughs) It's called proto-evangelium. Isn't that so fun to say? I'm going to say it again. Proto-evangelium. Proto, prototype, the first Evangelium, evangelia Gospel, right? The very first telling of the Gospel, of the good news, is actually on the same page as the fall. Remember this? Adam and Eve break the creation, <laughs> destroy it. It has gone off the tracks, off the rails. And while God is judging and critiquing and punishing them, the very first whisper Of the gospel is recorded remember this Uh, yes all this you have started this in motion you and the snake and yes this snake is going to bite you your heels your legs your ankles will be bruised you will suffer because of this but one day I will crush the snake First preaching of the gospel in the story of the fall. The proto-evangelium. And that's why Jesus is mad hundreds and maybe thousands of years later. Enough of this. The year of jubilee is on. So he heals the man physically. Tendons, sinus, neurotransmitters, blood vessels literally start to grow back in this man's hand. And it looks like a hand should, right? Good news. Thank you, your sins are forgiven, thank you. But what I'd really like is my hand back. Well, here you go. You are my creation. I made hands to look like this. Do you think as he was running home, he was high-fiving people? Or slapping people? or knocking, using it in any possible way that he could? Of course he was! Because it was what it was supposed to again. Finally. Maybe he just kept looking at it. He kept doing pull-my-finger jokes. He kept high-fiving people. And they're like, stop, would you just stop with the hand already? Jesus healed him physically. Do you think he ran first to the priest? It doesn't say this, but it strongly hinted, I don't think he went to the priest first. Where did he go? He went home. Of course he did. And when he got home, do you think he knocked on the door with the hand that was always good or the one that just came back? a real hand that doesn't fall apart and slams on a wooden door, wood from a tree in the creation, and his little girl answers the door. And who knows how long it's been. Maybe he's nev- maybe she's never met him before. He says, honey, it's me. And the wife kicks her out of the way and looks at him and they embrace with his good arm. <clears throat> you know a good hug sounds and feels sometimes? It could have been decades since they touched at all. Which leads us to another possible uh, way of healing. Do you think this man was healed sexually? Probably. Do you think they had special time that night together? I think probably so. Jesus healed him physically. Jesus healed him socially, familially. Jesus healed him economically. He could go back to work. And there it starts all over again. He comes to work. He just loves hitting things with his hand. And they look at him like, what are you doing here? Unclean, you know. You think he told jokes about that? Maybe the first day he comes back to church or to work, he dresses like A leper again. And he puts his hand up in his sleeve and he jumps out and scares people with it. The year of Jubilee, the good news is on. And that's why people are following Him everywhere He goes. Everywhere Jesus goes, things start to look like they're supposed to. He healed, he saved that guy in all the ways he needed to be saved that day. And everywhere he goes, it happens. And then there's a little hiccup there when they think he has, the hero has died. And then what happened? It just starts all over again. He gets up out of the ground. <laughs> you know, there are stories, and again, just for the sake of time. Do that mark exercise. It will explode our understanding of gospel, good news, the year of jubilee. There's stories of him uh, uh, fixing, healing the weather. Fishermen terrified of a storm. We had a microburst in my neighborhood a couple nights ago. It was scary. Like, there's a cool whiz-banger, like, thunderstorm that you like to sit on the porch, and you're kind of, oh, you think... This is a little, like, it was dangerous. And Jesus got up in a boat one day and said, shh. And meteorologically, the creation listened to him. And he said, I made good, whizbanger, fantastic thunderstorms, this is a little much. Settle down. Yes, I'm sorry. Everywhere he goes, everything that is broken everything sad, everything in pain starts to heal. Now that is a gospel I could get behind. And Lord, I'm so sorry for just thinking you only wanted to save this fingernail of me. I want to save the whole kit and cabo- I made you. That thing that you're afraid of, I'm coming for that. This part of brokenness in your family, it's a matter of time. Those people that you have lost. Chapter and verse. Remember when the dad comes to him and says, Jesus, my girl is sick. And he takes his sweet time getting there, and she dies. And the dad, through clenched teeth, says, never mind. And Jesus looks at him, and he said, you come with me. She's dead. He's like, I know. This is what we do around here. I'm the creator. And you know the story, but it's so heartbreakingly tender. This is the story where he says, um, so they get there, and this is like where Jesus like, toes the line with inappropriateness right where he gets to the funeral the funeral and the grieving has already started and you remember what jesus says to the crowd don't worry she's just asleep if some have you ever been to a child's funeral can you imagine someone coming in and saying that and it's your kid I would up against the wall. How dare you? And he says it. And it says people laughed at him. And you could just see like, the disciples cringing. You can't say stuff like that unless you can back it up. And he says, You and you and Peter, James, and John, you come with me. Mom, dad, and you three with me. Where is she? And the little girl is starting to go cold. And it says, he kneels down beside her and he takes her arm and he says, Talitha Kum, which means, my lady, my little girl, princess, half pint. It's like that kind of thing. And he says, it's time to. And that little chest starts to rise and fall. And she opens her eyes and he sits her up. Death reversed. Death swallowed up by life. And you remember what he says? This is why, this this takes it to this kind of good news and just shoots it over the moon. He says to the parents, here she is. You want to feed her something. She's probably hungry. She's been mostly dead all day. I don't know if you could, you can't see your faces, but your faces scream gospel. It's too good to be true. And you haven't preached the gospel until you go to the depth to which the fall also went. Yes. Otherwise, it's a, it's a fake. It's a half measure. You know, what I really want, where I'm really in pain, is this. Well, I'm sorry, says the Lord. I'm only good at this. Hogwash. Hogwash. What an unbiblical idea. Now, why that doesn't happen instantly right now, I don't know. We'll have to argue that out when the hero comes back. Why are we waiting for the completion of this? I don't know. But it's coming. There is no hole. There is no shadow. There is no dark, grimy corner into which the fall has crept or oozed into which also Jesus of Nazareth will not come for it. I'm going to say that again because it sounds good to me. There is no way that I and you are broken. There is no part of us that is injured and in pain and hurt and despair that Jesus is not coming for. Came for and is coming back for. A gospel as wide as the creation. Yes, forgiveness of sins. But how about, let's try this phrase on. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of sins and the reversal of the effects of sin everywhere. If your body is infected with it, There is not one molecule that will not be healed. Saved in all the ways that we need saving. Who among us broken, fallen people would ever say to your child, or your friend, or your neighbor who asks you for something to eat, sure, here's a rock. And if we wouldn't do that, how much more our good and gracious and loving Creator, who is also the Savior, will not give God's children what they need all as it should be, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you for your gospel, for sharing good news with us, for proclaiming good news to us for coming to us in the dark, for coming to us at night, for coming to us in all the places where we've been hiding, where we're looking for you and where we're not even looking for you. Thank you for being so committed and so in love with us and with your creation that you have promised to not stop or cease until you have it all back again, until you have us back again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for good news. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. You are beautiful, Jesus. Thank you for saving us and promising to save every single part of us that needs it. We look forward to that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.